Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the <laughs> Hannah and Fabs show. No, it's not that all the time. It's Hannahlize This, featuring Hannah Gelb, your co-host, and Fabs, our wonderful producer. Today, we want to talk about the little tribe of people that live inside your brain and yell at you <laughs> and boss you around. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're sitting quietly. And only one of them is bossing you around. But before we get to that, I have to vent a little bit because there is a person in my life who I care about very deeply, but we also have a history of not seeing eye to eye and conflict. And every time I see this person, they ask me if I'm dating anybody. And it's really hard for me to not. It always comes off as like, literally, this is the only thing that matters. Like, I don't care about the podcast. I don't care about banjo. I don't care about any art you're making or like your job or like your dreams. I don't, it's like, I'm not even interested in who you actually are, but I need to know that you're doing this thing because that is how I know that I did the right thing. I mean, that's my, I don't know. Is it like a pity ask? Is it like, are you dating anyone and you can see kind of the concern or is it more like an intrigue? Like, tell me the goss. Uh, Are you dating anyone? What kind of ask is it? But I think it's like, wow, that's like pretty sad. Like, I mean, this okay. is someone who also <laughs> this is someone guy. who also, while watching Bridget Jones once with me, was like, "God, can you imagine being thirty-two and not in a serious relationship?" <laughs> yes, um, yes, I can. Yeah, it just sucks every time. And actually, a friend of mine was there, and afterwards, I felt so validated because my friend was like, "Dude, that was really." I could not believe we were having that conversation. And every time, every time, every time this comes up, I spin out and I'm like, you know what? Oh, There's no. no way if I said, you know what? I'm just really not. It's not really important to me right now. End of story. I don't yeah. think that would go over well. I also yeah. don't know what we would talk about. Like, <laughs> so I'm oh, just like, man. but I hate, you know, on the drive home, I was just like in this despair of like wow my life is meaningless and uh and like how am I gonna figure this out I don't even know if I want kids what's the point of even having a partner if you don't want even want kids I mean okay obviously that's crazy but like and then like what am I like just it's so frustrating and it is so 
painful because yeah. it's like so disappointing that this yeah. person is like I really don't even I'm not I'm just really not interested in like knowing you really I'm interested in you your life yeah. aligning with my life so that I can be reassured that what I'm doing is correct and you know some people who are like yeah. well I'm married I just kind of <laughs> know things that you don't know and also I'm up <laughs> here and you're down there and like if only you yeah. could get to here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sounds great. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Anyways, no. that is my rant for today. I don't know what to do about it. I'm like, okay, this person's never going to change. I cannot change them. I have to learn to just let it roll off and be like, well, that's how this person lives their life. And it makes them happy. Okay. It's com- yeah. It's not coming from a place well, of and like, like, you suck. It's coming from a place of legitimate like, Right. I care about you and this is what I think a life is and you don't have that. So I'm going to be concerned until you have a life that looks like what a life is, you know? Right. right. Until your like life looks like my right. culture. <laughs> and I wonder if it would be like, what would happen if you were just like, hey, the way you talk about this makes me feel like you don't value other parts of my life. Like, what would she say? I honestly have no idea. I'm scared. <laughs> Man, it's hard. Oh, man. Then it's just driving home. She's probably one of those voices in your head. And probably like that's the hard thing. Probably part of the reason what she says makes you feel this way is because there is a part of you that has like gives weight to that that ha- already has that one of those people in your head. talks. <gasps> You're like right. You know what I mean? Yes. One of the people on the committee. Absolutely. I didn't <laughs> even think about that when I was re- bringing the story in. Fabs, you're such a genius. I have married friends who do that. And then I I sometimes we'll push back on it and sometimes call them out on it. But then, you know, it's tricky too, because obviously this doesn't sound like what's happening here, but sometimes in some of my relationships, I do the thing where it's like, sometimes I'm sad about being single and I want you to have compassion on me. And then sometimes when you have compassion on me and I'm single, I feel like invalidated because don't you think I'm enough by myself? And why are you trying to make tell me I'm not yeah. good enough? And so it's sort of a hard setup sometimes for my married friends where it's like, or my coupled friends where they don't know which fabs <laughs> they're going to get and like how to interact right. best. It's like, definitely don't act like it's not hard because then I get mad about that when it feels hard and definitely don't act like it's hard. Cause then I get mad about that. Cause I think you're saying I'm like missing some part of my life. that's mm-hmm. essential, but it really all comes down to what, how I'm feeling internally and like what those narratives are internally, right. you know? And why do we have this idea that there is one life out there, but then it's so hard to like, it does right. seem like that's the case. It's not like you meet someone and they're in a relationship and you're like, oh, a relationship? <laughs> gosh, that's, <laughs> that's not a new that way common. of doing things. Whoa, I mean, gosh, that's really hard. That's a lot of work and compromise and like emotional labor and like very rewarding if you. Wow, can... I'm so impressed. But that you like, chose it's that. like everyone <laughs> is in one or chasing yeah. after one. So it just makes me feel crazy yeah. because I'm like, why is everyone yeah, chasing well, after like this the cultural thing scripts, that I you know? don't, I don't, it's different. It does have its yeah. good things, but I don't see what it would give me that I don't currently have. Yeah. It would yeah. just be different. And it's, it is just like one of those things that comes down to like cultural scripts and cultural programming. And you're told like, this is what life looks like. And from the minute you're born, you know, people are talking about, oh, when you get married or like, oh, I'm going to save for my kid's wedding or whatever it is, all of that kind of thing creates a culture where there are assumptions here in America. The, the assumption is you'll go to college. The assumption is you'll get a job. The assumption is you'll buy a house. The assumption is you'll get married before you buy a house. The assumption is you'll have kids and you'll do that after you get married and have a house because of all that 
cultural space that's created around that, when you aren't in line with that, it ends up feeling like you're not normal or like you're broken. For people who are in line with it, it ends up feeling like sort of purposeless once they achieve it. They're not sure what's next because they've been told there's this trajectory and now it's like, well, what's the next thing that I'm supposed to do? Right. You know, I've run out of my track of right. my cultural and script. That's probably like so kind of it's that just hard. syndrome a little bit because, you know, I think totally I think it's a, a sort of a relief probably to have children like small children because you literally can't think about yourself that much because you're just thinking about your kids. But then they're not yes. kids forever. They're going to grow up. And then you're going right. to be back. You're going to be alone with your own mind again. <laughs> and like, and then what do you do? Right, right. Which is the same thing I sort of do with work. You know, I've been so busy recently, like probably the last four months. And then things at work have transitioned for me a little bit and it's a little bit slower. <laughs> and I'm working feverishly to fill it with other work, even though I've been complaining for months and months and months, much like a mom of young kids about how busy I am. And then as soon as it slows down, there was like, I felt this like distinct panic of like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? What what am I going to do? And the, But I had managed to like run away from that feeling through work. And as soon as work slowed down, I was like, oh, I'm really lost. And like, I feel like I'm not really sure what life is anymore or what I'm doing it for or not in a depressing way, although it sounds depressing, but like, I can't remember why I'm alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... It was so wild to me that that feeling has probably been there for a while, but I haven't noticed it because I'm busy. And it was crazy to me that my instinct was like, okay, well, I'll probably just work some more, (laughs) you know, just outwork that feeling. That's so common. That's why we have a workaholic. Yeah. People are workaholics. I I couldn't tell you why I'm alive. I don't know. (laughs) I was just reading this thing that was about... The things that all, you know, they have the in the world, there's like these blue zones where people live to be 100, like the healthiest people in the world. And there's like nine things that all the blue zones have in common. One of them is having a purpose. And I was like, oh, oh, crap. Yeah, I don't know. Um, (laughs) It's certainly not. I'm not like, yes, time to go to my office job. I mean, <laughs> Do we have to know what it is? I uh, feel like just enjoying the moment is good. I, don't know. I, don't know I know, I know, which is probably what it should be, but like that's part of where a relationship fits in the compartments in my brain is like, oh, I guess that's the next thing. Like I I guess that's a thing I should do because like what else am I doing? You know, I'm just working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what yeah, else? Right. But then like I always think, well, work if you're in what you're doing, what more is there? If you're in doing right. your work and you're right. invested in it and you're thinking about it and you're not daydreaming, like that's what more could there be? Like being invested in the moment is like, yeah, that's the only thing that exists. I I, I don't know. The goal. Right. Right. Oh, what is life? It's good. It's good. What is life, help. Abs? <laughs> what is that's life? the question that we're going to answer oh, today. Man. No, just kidding. We can't answer that. I do understand mm-hmm. that feeling like the the simple things and when i'm present it's really good but but then yeah but then it's just chaotic it is it is chaotic and confusing and it probably is chaotic and confusing because you have as we've talked about all these little people living in your brain and they're all shouting for different things so let's yes let's talk about this i kind of the first time i heard about the idea of the committee in your brain i was talking to my previous therapist who i'm in love with and it was surprising because i think or we think about maybe having conflict within ourselves 
but it's between maybe like two halves. But this idea is like there's actually like a whole family and they <laughs> all want different things. And it's so, of course, it's really hard to make decisions or figure out what you want when there's all these different people in your brain. Uh, shout out to my wonderful friend, Tripti. I hope she's listening right now because one of my favorite things she ever told me, because she was seeing the same therapist, is that one of the people on her committee is just rocking silently in the corner. Oh <laughs> yeah, like they're just like like if you imagine oh, there's this like boardroom and everyone's around the table, she's like in the corner, just like rocking right. her away, like slowly with like yeah. her thumb in her mouth. Yeah. Sometimes some of the committee members are like kicking the other committee members under the table and like others are like tied up and can't talk. And well, and since we started talking about this, I got a little bit lost in the internet world of research because I was trying to think about how brains work and why that happens and how my brain works and what happens in my brain. But then I got like, I spiraled a little bit into like, wait, what actually does happen in your brain? And you know, it's hard to tell because like even the research they've done on this, it's really obviously not objective because it has to be observed and then regurgitated because I can't actually get inside someone else's brain. And so I don't really know what's happening. And it, even inside my own brain, the process of observing it sometimes changes the process of what is oh, happening yes. in it. You know, like that's sort of the point mm-hmm. of meditation. So it's kind of hard to know what your brain does when you're not watching. Okay, so I want to rewind and ask Ooh. you some questions because I'm trying to figure out what happens in your brain. Okay, so is there a narrator like in your brain speaking all the time? Are they speaking in words? Are they male or female? Are they you? Are they first person or third person? Is it constant? Talk, talk about <laughs> what happens in your brain just like on an everyday, normal You know day, what's basis. interesting is I feel like I talk to myself in the second person or I'll be like, Hannah, we got to get out of bed. And then I'm like, we? What? Or I'll be like, you, I'll be like, you got to like do this thing or like, we're going to, we're going to get through this. It's it's always like I'm talking to a you. Yeah. Cause I think I'm such an external processor that when I'm talking out loud or writing, that's mostly when I'm Hmm. thinking. And then when I'm not doing one of those two things, I think my brain is sort of like kind of floaty, (laughs) like just sort of like floating around Mm. and not really paying attention to anything which is maybe why I like the work feeling because I'm just working. That's all I'm doing. There's not like a, a, a thing going on. There's not like feelings I'm noticing. It's just work. When I start to pay attention, then I need like a pen and paper or I need to be alone in my house so I can talk out loud. And then I notice that I have part of how I figure what I, out what I think about things is I sort of pretend I'm talking to people. So it's like a dialogue in my head between myself as a character and someone else who's real, but not them, like my imagined version of them. Like if I just had coffee with a friend and I'm driving home and it felt weird, like it's almost like I'm imagining talking to them about it. I'll be like, well, blah, 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 blah. Why did you do that? (laughs) Blah, blah. And then I'll imagine them responding and then I'll imagine responding to that. It's really strange. So then I was thinking about like, your committee thing. And I was like, when does that kick in for me? Because I'm familiar with this concept. And we talked about it last time. I was like, yeah, hundred percent. And I use it all the time with clients because, you know, part of the work of therapy is figuring out what narratives people have sort of subconsciously that they're operating out of. Once you figure out those narratives, part of what's helpful is if you can put what I call like a name tag on them, the narrative or whatever that you have, that's like, oh, you're stupid and you're lazy and you never do anything. Does that sound like anyone you've ever had in your life? And like nine times out of 10, they're like, 
oh, that sounds yeah. just like her mom. I'm like, great, let's put a name tag on yeah. that person. <laughs> like, let's put a name tag on that voice so that when that narrative comes up, you know it's not, this isn't what you think of yourself and this isn't like a true thing. This is your mom. This is your mom's voice, you know? So we do that a lot. So I've been trying to think about how that works in my brain. And I think I have just like, maybe just like multiple selves that are just all me. Mm-hmm that are interacting with real people that look like real people and identify as real people and have the right name tags on. Oh, wait. But- so are the people, so there's the, okay. So there's the bunch of fabs, fabs, is, 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 and then there's maybe only two fabs. Okay. Two, but yeah. There's, there's two, two fabs, fabs, I think. And, okay. and then like, there's other people in the committee room and there are other people in your life with yes. name tags. on. Yes. Oh, but what are what yes, are they the doing in, in the committee room? One. That is your committee room. They should not be in there, <laughs> or maybe they should. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that's the problem right there, Hannah. Gals. I think we just hit it right on that. But but I think my theory is that that's a way I've protected myself from integrating them with me. Like I know it's them and not oh, me. You know yeah. what I mean? So they shouldn't be in the committee room. That's true. But at least I've identified that in the committee room, they're not wow. me. They're well, them. okay. So it's like I think you're even a step ahead of me then because I think my <laughs> committee is all a bunch of me's, but they're like other people disguised okay. as me. Because Right. Like today when you were driving home from that conversation, the things you're saying sound like the things Oh she's yeah. Saying. Like I have a person who like I, I try and give each person a name. I think that's yeah, like you were saying, a label is oh, helpful. I love it. So tell me. I think I have like a part of myself that's like the wild one and the wild one's always like what's up let's do some shit but like is in the back (laughs) and is like yelling but like no one's paying attention to her like heckling yeah she's like this is dumb let's go jump in the ocean let's go to fucking france what are we doing (laughs) time's a wasted (laughs) yes and then the one that i think is kind of calling all the shots is like the scared person who's trying to do the right thing trademark hashtag like whatever that is okay Um, okay and i think Uh that's like very much an amalgamation of like probably mostly family like (laughs) family expectations are what i imagine family expectations are and i'm like i don't think that i don't think i think that committee member like snuck in i don't think they were born in the committee room like the wild one was, I think uh-huh. they just were kind of like, uh-huh. okay, they, okay, like okay. they were called in maybe okay, by like special ops to like get everyone under control. <laughs> to, to control. And- <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, this is really helpful. Okay, now that you've said that, I'm like, okay, I think I do have, I have three, I've for sure got like bait, what I call baby girl fabs, which is just like young fabs, kind of feels incapable. She's like got a lot of like hope and like wants amazingly good things to happen for her and thinks mm-hmm. that they will. And then I've got like inside my brain, she's called logical fabs, but externally I see that she's cynical <laughs> fabs. <laughs> but she's the one who's sort of like, hey, baby fabs. It's really important that we embrace that, you know, we are probably like everyone we love is going to die really soon and we just need to get ready for that. And like, you know, you, you need to come down to earth and you're not facing terrible things about yourself and I will help you do that. Oh, okay. And then. Everybody else in the committee room who's like whoever in that time in my life is causing ruckus, like telling me things about myself that aren't true and their voices are too loud and have too much power. And so they've broken into this like part of me that they obviously shouldn't have access to. And then I have 
who I think is supposed to be the leader of the room. And this is where like my faith-based stuff kind of interjects because this is what I call my true self fabs. That's like fabs with God spirit inside of her who is able to like listen to all the people in the room, kind of hear all their concerns, let them feel validated. But really at the end of the day, here at least the fabs is in the room and help them feel validated and understood but is like this is who we are and this is what we're gonna do that's and that's the person i try to wow that's great i mean that's like so like your true your true (laughs) self self with like a capital s yeah is in charge of the committee that's wonderful yes well she should be (laughs) you know sometimes things go wrong oh yeah well let me ask you this are there any fabs or people in there who are there but they don't say anything Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I'm trying to think about it now. Again, because I'm such an external processor or distracted non-processor or my kind of my two extremes, I don't really notice it a lot. I notice it when people have busted into that room who shouldn't be in there. And then they're making me think I'm like worthless or their words are like getting stuck and playing on repeat. That's when I notice it the most. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's anyone in there who's like, I think the two fabses that talk the most are definitely the one that's like, I'm weak, I'm a victim, I'm helpless, I can't mm-hmm. do anything. And the one that's like, get your shit together, do something better. And like, they're they're both right and wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both like, have things to say that are reasonable. They're not caricatures. They're just different parts of me that when I fall into one of them or the other, I'm not able to make healthy mm-hmm. decisions, which is why the true self kind of helps navigate mm-hmm. them. I don't think there's a part of me that's quiet. Do you have that? I think it's possible they're there and I don't know who they are yet. Maybe they were there, but now they're gone. Because I think that like when I first did this exercise like four or five years ago, I think it's different in there now. It's like there's still a pretty similar lineup, but (laughs) yeah, it's funny. I feel like my as like the scared one is like she's like kind of in charge, but She's very like aware of how tenuous the being in charge is, and it's kind of she's like kind of when you have a TA, <laughs> right. and you're like, oh god, it's this TA's first year <laughs> teaching, and they're really nervous. Oh my god, the wild ones like biding their time to overthrow, <laughs> cause total anarchy in yeah, the boardroom. The TA's like, ha, ha 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 joke, and everyone's like, that's not funny. So who who do you want to be in control in your boardroom? Well, I guess I just think it should be every self has a time to be the one in charge when their like skills or voice is most useful and it's not good when it's like very skewed in one direction i.e the scared one right (laughs) because there's also like (laughs) an adventurer you know and then also someone who's like i want to connect with people and then someone who's like i want to make stuff and then maybe like an well, angry child. Interesting to me. <laughs> so I guess, of course, my only experience being inside of brain is my own. But like, because my child self is in general more scared than my grown up other fabs, it's strange to me that your scared one is not your child self, right? Because when you were talking on a previous episode of Analyze This, I can't remember what it was called, but you talked about it was so good. Oh, oh it's the hypnotherapy one. Yeah, you talked about your nine-year-old self and earbuds. You should go listen to that if you didn't because it was like, oh my gosh, I was like crying and laughing when I was listening to it. Yeah, I loved it. But you were talking about your, your what I would call your baby Hannah Gelb self. She was like unafraid, right? She was like bold. She's a little bit more like the wild yeah, one. Yeah, no, she has like no fear. I just feel like all of this, 
Like, what made the wild, young, like, fearless child go down that path? Uh, like, I don't know. I mean, I just lots yeah. of things, I guess. Yeah, well, it's some I'm sort guessing of, Hebrew I mean, school like, had so something much to this. do with it. <laughs> right. I was just about to say, like, my... I. I don't want, I'm, you know, always on the culture train because that's what my master's is in is cultural psychology. But it's like so many narratives that get kind of spoken into us by the meanings we make of things and these moments we have in our life that are like in, intense, emotionally intense. And our brain then locks in whatever the meaning is we make of that moment, what went wrong in that moment. We lock it in as a narrative. And I think some of these selves are just like fractured parts of you or parts of you that you've learned to be ashamed of or parts of you that you've learned to be proud of that aren't as integrated as they could be because of how people responded to them. And then part of these things are just those narratives, those meanings that like are trying to reconcile with one another because they seem inconsistent and your brain is trying to figure that out, which is why I always like help try to help clients find those name tags. Cause it's like, if you can figure out what you think and what you want, and if you can, figure out, realize like that the other voices in there sound like people, other people. And you get to decide whether you agree with that or not, whether you want to integrate that narrative or not, or whether that narrative just came up because of a specific moment that was born out of brokenness or born out of distortion or dysfunction on someone else's part, then you're able to kind of clear out the boardroom a little bit and just keep the characters in there who are part of who you want to be and who you are, you know? But that is so hard. It takes so much courage. It's like, so I feel like it's really hard. The religious stuff, like when you say Hebrew school, I mean, like because of my background, I do a lot of work with like spiritual counseling mm-hmm. and man, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> those cultures really take a toll <laughs> because <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong, earbuds. I also love those cultures in lots and lots of ways and I'm part of them. But I have to say, like, because what you do so much of the time is you take these cultural scripts or these narratives. And instead of just saying, this is what I think that you say, this is what God thinks. And then what happens is inside someone's boardroom, they have like 15 different people running around wearing the name tag God. And he's saying some great, he or she is saying some effed right. up shit. It's inconsistent. It doesn't make any sense. And it's really hard to separate, but because someone told you like, this isn't just what I think, this is what God thinks then already that authority in your boardroom has so much more power. They have so much more weight when really it's like, no, that's what that person thought. And they just kind of used his name to do it. And it's like unraveling that stuff is so painful and sad because it's like hard to get people to separate those things out and find if they do want to have a relationship with a spiritual being or with God, it's really hard to get them to the place where they can say like, it wasn't God who said that. And it wasn't God who Mm -hmm. did that, you know? Mm -hmm. It's so complicated. Yeah. How does anyone even walk around with all this stuff? I think I think mostly Hannah they would trust it an awful lot. I think alcohol is also a factor. Like, <laughs> alcohol is a factor, but honestly, most people don't even need that. When I talk to my friends about because I'm always interested in like how do people process like what's happening when they have a incident at work or they have a conflict with a friend. Like exactly what you did when you first got on this episode and you're working through like, oh man, I felt bad in that situation. What happened? Let me unpack it. Let me figure out what went wrong. Let me think about how I can make different decisions next time or not and spiral into like Mm -hmm, sadness about mm -hmm. it, you know? Either way, you're processing. Like you're trying to make sense of what happened and you're trying to, you're able to track down the root of it and what triggered it and the feelings involved. But like the more I talk to people, the more I'm like, people don't do that. They do not process. And 
like sometimes they don't process for years. And when you ask them like a feeling they had, they can't tell you the last feeling they had. And when you ask them like thoughts they have, they can't even like, they wouldn't even know how to start this conversation. That's how do the they tricky not one. have a heart attack from like all of their thoughts and feelings queuing uh, up? I think what happens is <laughs> I'll, uh, what I'll do is refer you to the Dan Harris episode of Panalyze This, where he talks about having a panic attack on live television in front of 5 million viewers and how part of why that happened is because he hadn't processed, you know, he'd, he became a reporter during nine 11 and then was in like war zones oh. and had all this stress, but didn't even know how to identify it as that. And then, you know, probably had some feelings that he didn't identify. So like did some Coke instead. Right. To cover that. I was surprised. Then, I'm not, you know, had, had <laughs> I've not a, known that. A panic attack. I was like, what? I had I didn't know <laughs> that either. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, the body will like quit on you at some point, which I do think is true. I think this is why people have nervous breakdowns or they like, you know, have a midlife crisis. It's like, you know, yeah, 40 or 50 years of not processing anything is going to take a toll, but they just don't, they don't have the skills to do that. It's insane. I'm like, but what, so what, so what happens in your head? And they're like, yeah, what's in there? uh, Like what's in there? (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I can't figure it out. You know, even having a boardroom earbuds, if, if you have a boardroom and you're aware of it, you're in a great spot because you're at least observing your brain, which helps it operate and function a little differently. Right? I honestly feel every day requires a little processing because every day, as Joni Agreed. Mitchell says, something's lost and something's gained in living every day. I mean, you're on some <laughs> kind of path. Is it the right. right path for you? Like, what happened at work? What did you eat? Like, all that. That's, that's right. like... And who, so, okay, do you process that every day with people or by yourself? Um, probably with people. Probably, I would like to get better about doing it on my own. Like, maybe journaling more. But I honestly, I just hate, when my journaling, I'm always like, oh, I hate this shit. I hate reading this garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. That's so funny. But, uh, I, 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 and, like, I honestly think, actually, it would be best if I could journal every day, just even for like five minutes. But it usually ha- it usually yeah, ends up yeah, being yeah. like the week is so busy for stupid modern reasons. And I'm always like, what's happening? And then the weekend, I try to like process a little bit. But if I didn't do it at least once a week, I would be like, that's, that's when I have a nervous I mean, breakdown. I, that's, uh, you know, and this is actually really right. interesting because I don't think I've ever put those together. I've always just thought I just need quiet time but I didn't realize like no that's my processing time because I feel so physically when I'm full to the brim of stuff and then it's like there's no more room I literally can't take one more step I cannot go out I cannot talk to a person I have to be alone or I'll literally like collapse into tears right interesting which is what happened on my trip oh man when I was in Europe yeah oh gosh oh gosh yeah that's your five wing right there. You got to have the, the space. You need that, <laughs> need that space. space. Yeah. No, I hear that for sure. Finding those people that make sense to process with Marco Polo. That app has been like uh, amazing for me. Now my poor friends who I process with on Marco Polo. Yeah. We really, I really get that processing. <laughs> fixed. No, wait, how to scratch. Yeah. Processing itch scratch. Yeah. That's great though. But, yeah. I, I think it's great. I don't that, know. Yeah. I think it doesn't, you know, like, Processing doesn't have to be anything huge and complicated. It could literally be, I'm talking out loud to myself while driving for literally five minutes. That could that could be all you need just to like yes. uh, to expel yes. or express what's going on in some form or another. 
It doesn't have to be like... Yes. Okay. An interesting thing I learned when I was doing a little bit of my dive this morning is there's all these recent studies on what happens in your brain when you are thinking in in a verbal format, when you're either dialoguing with self or dialoguing with other people inside Mm -hmm. your brain. And it's the same thing that happens when you're talking out loud to a friend or a person or yourself. And it quiets your brain because your brain hears itself talking, but also knows predictably what your brain is going to say. So it's like this... It's different like than if you had list, like when you listen to an episode of your voice on analyze this, it doesn't quiet your brain because you don't know what you're about to say. It's not well, the same. So, I know. So they were ty- they were, they were talking about schizophrenia and, and how this plays in where it's like what happens for some people is when those voices come into their head, they are, you know, having sort of normal human processing of like, hey, there are fractured parts of self that have taken on these different personalities or different characters in your brain, which everybody really has. But whatever the functionality is that helps you recognize it's coming from inside your brain isn't there. So your brain can't predict what it's about to say, which makes it feel like it's another person and makes it very disorienting and doesn't quiet your brain. It activates your brain the way your brain is activated when someone's talking to it. Isn't that crazy? Wait, wait, wait. I got, okay. Explain to me again what happens when you're talking out loud to your friends and why that's different from listening to yourself talk like on on a podcast. Yes. Okay. So talking out loud to your friends or talking out loud in your in your head or talking not out loud in your head <laughs> has the same effect on your brain, which is it quiets your brain because you're hearing yourself speak, but you know what you're about to say. So your brain has like this synchronization almost that helps it feel quieter. But when you listen to a recording, so like the studies, they played people recording back of their own voice. It doesn't have that effect in your brain because your brain isn't having that part of it activated that's thinking about what you're about to say before you say it. It's like listening to a thing. And even though it's your voice and even though it's a thing you've said, it can't quite remember what the next word is. So it's it's like out of sync. And that's the same thing that happens when someone else talks to you. Because your brain is activated trying to listen, trying to understand what they're saying. It doesn't have to do that when you're talking. When you're talking to yourself or you're talking inside your head, your brain doesn't have that part activated to listen because it knows what you're saying as you speak. Like it's in sync. Oh, that's so interesting. But for people who don't have that happen when they're thinking, it can feel like they're getting the information for the first time as they hear it. So that synchronization isn't in play. So their brain gets activated rather than and, quiet. And is that common or it's only if you have uh, like a, a neurodivergent I mean, brain? As I don't we say? know. I, yeah, I think it's I think it's really complicated. And, and like all the studies are like, we have no idea <laughs> what we're doing because we can't see inside <laughs> anybody's brain yeah. ever. And even them telling us what's happening in their brain is very yeah, unreliable. Indeed. So, you know, I think it's really hard to know. The theories around things like schizophrenia have been that, like, the, the divergence comes with how threatening that voice is. But now they're like, oh, that can't be true because some people speak to themselves in a very threatening way. And we don't categorize that as schizophrenia. So it's really complicated. And now this is, this is kind of the emerging theory is that that synchronization isn't happening. So the brain thinks that voice is coming from somewhere else rather than inside of it. Oh, But it's very complicated. Yeah. And, if, and if anyone's listening who's like actually studying this, then everyone please know that I'm like way oversimplifying this after very short amount of <laughs> well, research. Well, you have me fooled. <laughs> you sound like an expert. <laughs> That's so interesting because I was going to say like my mind, if it does get quiet in those moments, I'm not. It's either on a scale that is so small that I cannot tell or I'm just doesn't happen for me because i sure i'm not sure it feels like oh okay it's just not activate it's not like actively listening Mm -hmm, you know what mm -hmm. i mean 
But I don't think by quiet they mean like yeah. restful. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, if I have to listen to my brain say one more thing, I'm literally going to lobotomize myself. And it's hard when that, that was why I kind of asked that control question because like that's, I was trying to think through like, hey, with this episode, what's like helpful for earbuds and what's like the goal? But I was, I think where I got stuck a little bit is like, what does it look like to feel in control of that process and like to feel like you're able to talk back to your brain rather than having it control you where when it's saying things that you're like you can identify as a narrative you don't want to be owned by like you're worthless or you're stupid or you always do this Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. you know you're never going to amount to anything what does it look like to recognize that's happening and also be able to soothe and kind of take control which I think is why the true self version of myself has helped me so much it's like there's a there's a person in the room who we're all clear isn't is the authority and like they can they're not mean they're not like repressive they're just they just validate and also soothe. And they're the ones that's like, I, I understand you're feeling that. I know where that comes from. You're more than that. Like, that's not true about you, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't yeah, know. We don't know, guys. That's it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Because I know that I make, like, this is something I'm working on, but I will make anybody an authority over my life. Like, literally. Yeah. I'll be, I could be reading a blog. Like, remember I sent you that blog and you're like, uh, disregard bullshit i don't even know it was all about like how like you know people need to like plan their lives they're just like they don't even think oh, about yes. what do they want five years or where they want to live or what kind of what kind of partner they want and what the part yeah it's like an opinion article it was based <laughs> on nothing. And, I, and then i was like, like having a nervous breakdown because i was like this person is now god and i'm not doing anything that they're saying <laughs> yeah man they have too much power in that boardroom. And it's like, sit down, buddy. If you're, you should even be in here, but you're lucky you get to be in here. And you can sit here and listen to what's true about me. You know, you shouldn't even be in here, but now that you're here, trying to you know, fucking lucky. We have real good coffee, donuts. <laughs> I would have a lot of donuts totally. in my boardroom. I mean, I do think you get to the point where it's like, like for me, I just went through a, a season in life where like every authority and kind of every external voice was sort of speaking in synchronized fashion, some like really terrible shit over me. I realized like, oh, I was like curled, literally curled in a fetal position on the floor and was like, I I have to settle this once and for all. I either am who they say I am or I'm not. And like, we got to make a plan either way. Because if I am who they say I am, then I need to like check myself into a facility and like get some serious help because I'm a psychotic manipulative off the rails individual. Oh my goodness. I know it wasn't, it was not a good season, but if they're wrong about me, like then let's settle it. And like, I know they're going to speak up in the boardroom. I know those voices are there and they can have the power to make me feel bad. But like, we got to settle it once and for all that. Like there is no ground to this argument and we're not going to listen to it anymore. And so like, yeah, those voices still come up in the boardroom for sure. But I do remember a certain turning point where it was like, we're settling once and for all, like the case has been heard. We've heard all their arguments the jury is in and the judge has decreed that like, that's actually not true about this person. And so like, you can keep yelling it. You can still keep protesting on the streets, but like we've reached a verdict. So now those voices, it feels like they have the power to make me feel bad. They don't have the power to change who I am. That's amazing. (laughs) That's so incredible. Yeah. I'm so happy. But I don't think I would have done that if it wasn't like literally... I have to do, I have to figure this out. Like I'm at a crossroads in my life. I'm like, I have to figure out if they're right or wrong about me. 
if they're right, I want to know it, you know, like I'm, I'm okay knowing that and like figuring that out. What's making me crazy is the, is the back and forth. It's the not knowing it's feeling like the things they're saying don't resonate with my own experiences and how, uh, the situation felt internally. And so like, there just has to be this moment where someone gets to decide what's true about me. And it probably shouldn't be someone who's never been inside my head. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have to do a whole episode on just this experience because first of all, that is like the most amazing, brave thing that a human can do. I think truly is to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in there. That's a scary place. Yeah. And I mean, of course, to me, it sounds so absurd that you could ever think that you're like this psychotic, manipulative person. I mean, I first I think most most oh, man, when everyone's most telling psychotic, you. manipulative people aren't worried that they're psychotic and manipulative. <laughs> well, but they also I know enough to know they they don't generally know. Uh, right. Probably, so, right. you know, I was like, maybe I don't know. And that that is true. It's possible. You know, I was like literally going to my therapist who for a time in the season, I wasn't allowed to see her. So that made this mm-hmm. hard. And I wasn't allowed to talk to the friends who knew me, which made this situation mm-hmm. hard. So when I finally got to see her again, I was like, hey, look, I know it would be a hard thing to tell a client, but like, you got to tell me if you think I am like a psychotic, manipulative, like psychopath. Like, I know that people are and I know we'll deal with it. And I know there are ways to get help for that. I really do. And I want to know if it's true. But like, you, you got to tell me. And she was like, Babs, Babs. I was like, okay, okay. But even that wasn't enough, right? Even her voice wasn't enough. It didn't have any more weight in the courtroom than anybody else's. Like I had to get to the point where it was like, I have settled this for me, you know? Wow, yes. And then you don't have to ask anybody else anymore. I don't, I I really don't. And I can hear what they say and it it upsets me, obviously, but it doesn't send me into like the tailspin of panic it used to, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Let's all just take five seconds of silence for fabs. (laughs) <laughs> the bravest soul we know. Wow. Oh, boy. I mean, that is hard work. It was. It was hard work. It was hard work. And I don't think I would have done it if I didn't have to, mm-hmm. you know. But there you go, guys. That's the <laughs> life. Figure out what's true about you inside and your boardroom. And I was, as I, and then yeah. Put that voice I have in a charge. lot of cats in my boardroom. They don't talk, but they ease the tension. And you know what? Actually, I didn't really realize that until today. I am making the decision right now to put cats in there because they're going to like ease the tension. They're going to diffuse the the whatever. And also if like someone's getting out of hand, they can, you know, and being a two and bullying the other members can be like, hey, look at that cat. And they'll be like, oh, it's a kitty. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like in your boardroom, all those people just need to like love and trust each other. If the scared one would love and trust the wild one, they could work together as a team, but they're just afraid oh of each gosh, other. Oh my gosh, Fabs, you know? you're such a good therapist. That is exactly what's going on. They're like, no, you're <laughs> going, they're like, you don't understand. You're literally going to make us dead. Like, that's what the scared one is. Like, you, right, right. you're all gonna, very like, we're going to die because you are not practical. You don't care about how to stay alive. Right. And then the event, you know, the wild ones, like you are literally going to kill us by being so bored and sad and depressed that. Right. We're not going to get anything out of life. You're going to ruin no, our No, we're going to spend lives. our whole lives and cramped like, and insane in this little yeah. bubble of safety that you value so much for some reason. And then you're going to be like 80 yeah. years old and be like, well, that was a waste. Anyway, it's time to die. Right. Instead of like, hey, safe one, can you help us figure out a way to make this wild ones plan happen? In a way that's safe. Like, right. let's work well, together to make a wild, yeah, safe plan. Yeah, I think that's really hard for me because, you know, I'm very prone to black and white thinking. And so, like, integrating 
right practical practicality with like your real because you know i think about what if i just was a vagabond for like 30 years that'd be great and then i'm like yeah but then you're gonna right. be like a 60 year old woman with no career and then the wild one's like uh <laughs> who gives a shit do you know what careers mean zero fucking zero <laughs> It's just mm. something you do to make money for a while. <laughs> no, like, oh my God, you are hurling through infinity. It doesn't matter what your career is. And also, you don't care. Are we getting to witness your boardroom right <laughs> We're now? Possibly in the, the boardroom. It maybe like the doors open. <laughs> like, all of that is, in, that is external. That is all that external people being like, but how could you be an old person and not have gotten anywhere in life? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> if I had... 30 blissful, happy, full years. And then for someone to be like, oh, but you don't have money. Isn't that kind of sad and pathetic that you're like old and you don't have like a family? It's like, no, actually, I was living while you were spending every year padding your retirement and wishing you were dead. I was out (laughs) experiencing life. And then what happens? And then the boardroom just explodes. Listen, you gotta you gotta find a self inside the boardroom that is integrated. You gotta put a new person in the room who's like or or neutral. Or like a neutral person who can like mediate. Yourselves need a mediator, they need a judge, they need a person who can like listen to all sides and then reach a conclusion that's valid for all. Oh my gosh, Fabs. Can I just put a Fabs in there? (laughs) No, no, it just I mean it can be a it can be it can be a version of Hannah Gelb. That is what Hannah Gelb would do for someone else because you would be a fabs to a fabs. You would totally do that. If I had those different selves talking, you would ask me the same questions and help me mediate that conflict. And and that's usually like even with me and with clients, it's like you would never talk to anybody else this way. Like everybody has the capability to like listen to, well, a lot of people <laughs> have the capability to listen to people's yeah. stories and feel compassion and validate and navigate things that are complicated. They very rarely like minimize it when it's someone they love and care about and they can see the struggle mm-hmm, they're going through. Mm-hmm. They just don't give themselves that same compassion, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like finding that part of yourself that you give to other people and giving it to yourself in that boardroom. Okay. So here's what I think I'm going to do. I think I'm going to try maybe like once a week, just like journaling as if there's like a conversation happening. Cause I think that would be really helpful. Cause I'll also get really mad about, I get so angry and upset that everybody around me is like I want a partner and that's what I'm doing and that is what life is about and then I'm like why do I not want that what is wrong with me and like what is so great about it I don't understand (laughs) right and there's a part of you that's like that safe self inside your brain talks like her it talks like all the cultural scripts you've ever been fed and like there needs to be someone else in that room who's like hey what do you want Maybe there's a part of you that does want a partner and like your wild one is resisting that because of the commitment or the fear of like, what what if I didn't have that? And like, am I worthwhile? And there's a part of you that thinks maybe you're not or there's a part of you that just wants it. And like, instead of making breaking all those things out, being willing to listen to everybody's arguments as if they're valid. Like when your scared one starts speaking, trust that like some part of that resonates with you or she wouldn't be in the boardroom. God, fabs, fabs, everybody. You are so amazing. Everyone's arguments in your brain are valid. That is what you should take away from this episode, earbuds. I hope our rambling was interesting and helpful in some way. (laughs) Yeah. And and like the people who are in that boardroom who shouldn't be in there, 
hey, if you can't get them out of there, at least like tell them to sit down and drink their coffee and yeah, shut up, or you know? give them some like coffee with a little Nyquil in there so they fall asleep. You know what? <laughs> right? Or give them a. It's your book boardroom. You make the goddamn rules. If you want a peacock. You know what? Those people are usually kind of judgy and have opinions anyway. So just put them in the corner and have them like work on some other project that's unrelated <laughs> to you. And while they're busy doing that, the rest of your boardroom can figure out what you yes, want for you. Yes, distract them. Kind of like when a child needs to be distracted. Like give them a, a, a different Yes, send them to toy. Facebook. <laughs> There's f- tons of fuel on Facebook for the arguments. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. That's uh, the secret. You know what? I think it would be a good sign off for <gasps> the podcast. I like the idea that every week. Is oh my a different gosh. One. I was so just, just thinking like... that. I was thinking, yes, th- I think that is the most analyze this way to have a sign off. <laughs> it is the analyze this way. It is the analyze so this way. So I'm okay. I'm going to take a crack at it. I'm going to say, Fab, thank you so much as always for all your hard work on the podcast. We could not do it without you. We oh, love you and oh your gosh. insight. Oh, wonderful. and I'll be- yes. before I go, I'll say that the next like three episodes of Analyze This, I'm so excited about. I don't want to do any spoilers, but the next three are are yeah. tune in. Hey, we're a good show. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sign off for today. No, today's sign off is you trust yourself. You know more than you think. You've, yes, you've got a lot going yourself. on. That's a yeah, good trust one. yourself. Trust yourself. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay well thank you so much for listening guys and please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and review it and like it and share it with your friends and you can go and talk with me on the twitters at Hanalyze pod and you can also be a patron and help keep our podcast going at Hanalyze nope that's totally wrong at patreon.com slash Hanalyze this yes Okay, bye! (laughs) Bye!